Psalm 89 verse 34 has been our text. Speaking about the general, the series titled The Blood Covenant. The Lord said, My covenant will I not break, neither will I alter, that is change the thing that has gone out of my lips. When God speaks, what he says stands. When God speaks, whatever he says stands. He said, I will never change that which has gone out of my lips. So if I say that you are healed, you are healed, you are blessed, you are blessed. You are lifted, you are lifted. He is not a man that he should lie, neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he promised? Will he not make it good? Some, I'm sorry. Numbers 23, 19. Amida, you have to be a little bit fast this morning. Uh, because I want to speak for about 30 minutes, hopefully. And then we get to rejoice and then we get to take the communion before we dismiss the service. Let's read the scripture together, everybody. One, two, go. God is not a man. No, that, I don't have enough energy from you. One, two, go. God. Can you rev it up a little more? God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? This scripture makes it very clear to us that one, God is not a man. Two, God does not lie. Is not a man that he should lie. Has God spoken any word of promise over your life? Has God sent you a word of promise that this is what I'm going to do for you or what I'm going to do in your life? And then you are now at a point where it looks as though you are experiencing the opposite of what God said. <laughs> it looks as though God said A, but I'm experiencing B. And then it's beginning to cast aspersions on your faith. Is it really worth it to believe God or should I just go my way and do my thing? If you are in such a situation or such a category this morning, I want you to know that it is not strange. I want to address a particular school of thought this morning. And I'll get there very shortly. But I want to show you these scriptures as like the foundation. Our main scripture being Psalm 89, 23, where God said, my covenant will I not break because God is a covenant-keeping God. God doesn't have any respect for casual friendships. God only walks by covenant. So if you're going to walk with him, you walk with him. You don't want to walk with him, that's fine. God likes serious-minded people. I mean, I, I don't mean you have to be perfect, but I mean you have to be committed. Those are two different things. God is not a man that he should lie. A man may lie. But that day will never come. Heaven will never experience it. Neither will earth witness to it that today God lied. 
There are many situations sometimes going on in our lives that want to make God a liar. One of our sisters, I will never forget. I've not recovered from that experience. She lost her mom, I think it was in February. And she came crying. She's in service this morning. So she came crying to my office. And then she said, Pastor, but you said God will heal mommy. You said God is good. I did say so. I found that from the scriptures and I believe it. My mom died now. What do we do? Does that make God a liar? Does it make the word of God of none effect? But this is the area where the devil sits down so that he can destroy your faith. He wants you to believe that God is really not as interested in your situation as you assume. That your faith is an assumption. That after all, God is busy with other people. There are people dying in Afghanistan and God is dealing with them. Why will he care about your admission situation in UI? But listen to me. If God knows each strand of hair on your head, he cares about every detail of your life. Are you with me, church? God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he promised? Will he not make it good? Second Samuel. Uh, forgive me. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. I think it's 15 now. This was when Saul messed up and God, is it First Samuel? First uh, Samuel 15, media, you might want to help now. The same scripture, actually, the same scripture. 15, I was wondering if it's 29. I have 29 in my head, but I was wondering. <laughs> 1529, yeah, thank you. This was Samuel telling Saul, who had backslidden. Saul, that God sent to go and destroy the Amalekites. Because these Amalekites were wicked to the Israelites in the course of their journey when they were coming from Egypt. And they passed through their land. And the Amalekites were destroying the women and the children from the back. Then one day God said, Today, I remember the iniquity of the Amalekites, and I want you, Saul, to go and destroy them, destroy everything that is there. When Saul got there, he saved the king. The king's name was Agag, the father of the Agagites. And he saved the animals that were fat. He saved certain things that were precious. God said, destroy everything. Saul saved some, destroyed some. Partial obedience to God is equal to disobedience. And God sent somewhere to him, go and tell him, I found myself another man. First of all, his attitude was very wrong. Samuel brought the word of God from God to Saul the king. I have something to say to you. And Saul the king, a very tall man, he was the tallest in the whole land of Israel. He said, say on. Very terrible attitude. Whatever you have to say, say it. Let me listen to you. He was talking to the prophet like that. And the prophet delivered the message. And then, you know, he started arguing and making a case and all of that. Now, that led us to verse 29. Let me take it from verse 28. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and has given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. You know, so as Samuel turned to go, 
Saul now wanted to beg. Mistakenly, he tore the skirt. Now, you need to know that this, this is the Middle Eastern way of dressing. He mistakenly tore the skirt of the prophet. Mistakenly. And you know, these Old Testament prophets, you need to respect them a lot. Because if they just issue one word, that's it. Someone like Elisha. He was going up the mountain and some children were singing. Akari go kelo, akari go kelo, bald head, go up the mountain, bald head, go up the mountain. Elisha had no chill. I think Elijah still had some chill, but that man, Elisha, he just looked at the children and cursed them, and the lion came and devoured them because they sang that he was a bald headed man. But, sir, are you not bald headed? But the guy had no chill. Samuel turned to go, and I saw held the skirt, the skirt tore. And a prophecy came from the tearing of the skirt. This was the prophecy, verse 28. It said, the Lord has rent. The Lord has, not rent in terms of renting something and paying for it, has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day. Ah! If you have ever seen the face of God, may you never see his backside. Yeah. Only three people came to church this morning. I pray for you again and I pray for myself. If you have ever seen the face of God, may you never see his backside. Yeah. This was what was happening to Saul. And he has given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Immediately, jealousy will start. Who is that neighbor of mine? Just like Herod. Another king has been born, the king of the Jews. Where is he? Let me go and worship him. Me being king. Another king? He wanted to kill Jesus so much, he killed all the children from age two downward. And there was a cry in Ramah for Rachel or Raquel was crying and would not be comforted for the lamentation over her children. It was a great slaughter. That's what envy can do. That's what jealousy can do. It's, it's suicidal. It's, it's murderous. Cain, Cain got into envy against his brother Abel. He killed him. They didn't engage in the fight. They were not even exchanging words. He just rose up and killed him in the field. Brethren, let's be watchful about envy and about jealousy. In this house and in your families and in your schools. It's a natural thing that comes to all of us. That's not my message, but I'm giving you that free of charge. But the moment it springs up, kill it. When you are envious of someone, do you know that surreptitiously you might be wishing them dead? Now one day they should just wake up and find, on, find their picture on somebody's status on WhatsApp, RIP. Uh, you're not happy, you're not really happy that they died, but somehow, somehow, somewhere within your, your mind, uh, maybe. Mm. That's why the New Testament Paul taught us as a church, we must be careful about jealousy, about envy, about evil speaking about maligning one another. He gave us very stern warning and that we must maintain the unity of the spirit. That bond of peace must be maintained. Verse 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent for he is not a man that he should repent. Glory be to God. Then that leads me to Psalm 89 verse 35. Psalm, verse 34 is our main text. Then verse 35. God said, once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie to David. 
Now, if God will not lie to David, will he lie to you? Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever he was yesterday is who he is today, and that's who he's going to be forever. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. Once have I sworn by my holiness, I will never lie to Shekinah. That's God. New Testament, you'll find the same scripture. I think Hebrews 6.18 tells us the same thing. For by two immutable things with which it was impossible for God to lie. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible, impossible, it cannot happen for God to lie. That we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Glory be to God. These are covenant promises. These are covenant promises. I want to help someone today. The fact that you are a child of God, the fact that you are born again, does not exempt you from the challenges of life. There are things that happen to mankind whether Christian, Muslim, Habalist, whoever, whoever you are, the, the fact that you are a human being. Those of you that write exams in school, those of you that are still in school, do they have separate exams for Christians and Muslims in the same department? No, because you are a pastor's son and you are born again, your name is Abraham. We give you very simple questions. Mechanical engineering. We'll be asking you, what is a noun? How come we expect that? in real life, outside of the four walls of the university. I want to address this issue because, listen, I want to address a school of thought, and this is the school of thought. Some people have come to a point where they sit in the judgment seat against you when you are going through a challenge. They say that when you are really close to God and you have not lost your intimacy with God, you should never have problems or troubles or challenges in life. So when they see you having troubles or challenges, it's a sign that you're backslidden. Why, would you, why should you go for youth service and fall sick at the camp? You must have been living in sin. How come all your mates have gained admission? In fact, they have graduated. You are still on the same spot. Maybe God is telling you something you're not listening. I mean, you know how easy it is to sit in the judgment seat and, and, and castigate others because you feel you are better than them? Or your own life is just sweet and everything is smooth. I listen to some ministers and I laugh. Maybe I've been there before too myself. One of the things actually that the troubles of life will do to you is that to make you more empathetic and less judgmental. When you have gone through something that you have never gone through before in your life, after that, when God helps you and you come out of it, you'll be a better person. You'll be a changed person. When others now go through it, you will not be quick to judge them. You will rather be quick to show empathy and sympathy and to show mercy. Are you with me? So whatever you're going through this morning is not to kill you, it's to make you. Can I have an amen? amen? But I want to debunk the lie of the devil that as God's children, now let me look around you. I don't want to look anywhere and I don't want to talk to anybody. If anybody's sleeping around, you wake them up because it's dangerous to be sleeping at this time. As God's children, we are not exempt from the challenges of life. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Psalm 34 verse 19, 
Many are the afflictions of the righteous. <laughs> but the Lord does not abandon him there. The Lord delivers him out of how many of them? Can we have that scripture on the, on the Okay, good. Few are the afflictions of the righteous. How many is many? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. This is what the Bible says. Many are the afflictions of the sinners. Many are the afflictions of the backslidden. Okay, do we have the righteous people in the house this morning? If you're righteous and you know, say amen. amen. Are you sure you're righteous? According to 2 Corinthians 5.21, God has made you the righteous, his own righteousness in Christ. Can I have an amen to that? So if you're born again, you are already righteous. Can I have an amen? Don't you ever join the people that condemn themselves amongst others. They say we are all sinners. Nobody is righteous. Nobody holy pass. That revelation is from two-faced and not from the Bible. Nobody holy pass. <laughs> you know holy pass, my brother. I beg, leave that one. The Bible makes it clear. The moment you're born again, you're, you're righteous. Can I have an amen to that? And so that puts you in this class. It's not a very nice class. But God knows what he's doing. Amen? I'm preaching to you this morning. I'm preaching to myself. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I don't like that portion. I wish it could be removed from the Bible. Why not many are the triumphs of the righteous? Many are the miracles of the righteous. Many are the breakthroughs of the righteous. Many are the blessings of the righteous. Why the afflictions of the righteous? An affliction is not a nice thing, man. But glory be to God, the Bible says many. Somebody say many. So when we go through stuff, sometimes we feel, oh God, oh, why me? Why now? What's going on? La, 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 la. Did I do this? Where did I miss it? We have loads of questions. And on top of that, the devil is there condemning us. Yes, why not you? Don't you know what you did? You did it two years ago. Didn't the Lord warn you? Shabir, you do not listen. Now figure it out yourself. <laughs> and hey, you are not coming out of this. And in addition to the torment of the devil in our mind, we have friends also. And frenemies. Who also add to the torment. Oh, maybe because you've not been coming to midweek service. If somebody's not coming to midweek service, it's good to come to midweek service anyway. But it is not the fact that you're not coming to midweek service. Or maybe it's not even you. And then the devil begins to point your attention to some righteous people who are going through tough times. And say, look at that one. He's going through tough times. Look at that brother. He's the most pious brother in the church. Yet, he has, he's so broke, he can't even pay his bills. Look at this one. She's, she's barren. She doesn't have a child. And she's the one praying for everybody, praying for pastor, praying for everybody. But look at her life. Nothing to write on the Bible. So, hey, listen to me. Why are you, why are you really serving God? Do you think that, that God is really, really good? Is it really, really good? The serpent told Eve, did God really say that you're going to die? When I hear that word, really, I want to check it again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. I thank God that there is the B part of it in this scripture. But the Lord. The word but is a conjunction that introduces a change of direction. Many are the afflictions. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Why does he deliver him out of them all? Because there's a covenant between God and the righteous. There is a blood covenant between us. Access is granted us by the blood of Jesus. The moment anybody makes Jesus the Lord of their lives, they come into a covenant relationship with God, the Almighty. 
So God the Almighty will not turn his back on his righteous ones because of the covenant that is between them. Can I have an amen to that? When you spend quality time reading through and meditating on the Psalms, in fact, it seems as though the psalmist's life was characterized by many afflictions. <laughs> I mean, anybody knows what I'm talking about this morning? I mean, I, I've taken time just to, just to be between some 1 and 40, that portion. Just, I mean, we're maybe 1 to 50, chapters 1 to 50. I've, I've spent a couple of months there. I would say, eh, so this one too is there. Let me just show you one or two because I don't want to preach for too long, like I said. Psalm 3, quickly. Let's look at Psalm 3, verses 1 to 3. Very quickly, media, God bless you. Psalm chapter 3, and then verses 1 to 3. Glory be to God. Let's read that together from the word of God. One, two, go. Lord, how are they decreased that trouble me? What did he say? Is it nice when people increase that trouble you? I mean, we, we all want friends. We don't want enemies. The Yorubas would say, Amanwore Korenyakin, Wata Kota, Chidera, Lambro Diazabahaya. Fofie, where's she? Lezozozobos Katabaha. She's Cameroonian, she's Ghanaian. It's an international church. Glory be to God. I feel good. I'm an international pastor. Glory be to God. And I just got, in addition, a graduate from Oxford Brooks University. Not, 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 the one, not the one in Alakia, Ibadan. It's the one in Oxford, the United Kingdom. Glory be to God. And if you're from Alakia, Ibadan, I thank God for your life. Because you will go from Alakia to Atlanta. Amen. <laughs> Glory be to God. <laughs> All right, the Bible says, how are they increased that make friends with me? Come on, come on, it's not a sleepy church. Wake up, everybody. How are they increased that bless me? How are they increased that pray for me? What do they do? If one person troubles you, you don't like it. You want to run away. How much more the population has now increased of those who trouble you? Do you think it was a nice experience for the psalmist? Operating even under the old covenant? He said, many, many are they that rise up against me. Many. Many. Why is everybody against me? Why are people opposing me? Why this? Why that? Why am I in the limelight of their criticism? Why am I the butt of their cruel jokes? And let me tell you something. When you're going through stuff in life and people are even making mockery of you, they're making jest of you, it makes it even more difficult. Have you heard she graduated with the third class? <laughs> we told her, in church, third class. Even we, that we are not so close to Jesus, we made it to one. And the devil will arrange it in such a way that you will hear what they said about you. And you know why the devil arranges for you to hear? So that he can break your heart some more. Oh, this person also said that. It's not God arranging it, it's the devil. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God wants you to hear his word, not any other thing else. Not what you will hear and make you down and forlorn and, and lugubrious and melancholic and morose and, and dispirited and disenfranchised. God is not in that kind of business. 
Look at the psalmist in verse 2. He said, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. I don't know if they are deputy God. I don't know who gave them the appointment, who gave them the portfolio, that they will sit down and say, oh, there is no help for him in God. Allah will go help him. God cannot help him. Are you in a situation where it looks like even God cannot help you? That's a lie from the pit of hell because God will help you. Can I have an amen? Verse 3, he said, but thou, O Lord, thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. There are times we need a shield, we need a cover, and we go to people, the people we expect to cover us, to shield us, and they have thorns in their palms, so they cannot shield you because if they put it on your shoulder, it will pierce your shoulder. But thou, O Lord... May your soul find comfort and solace in God. Can I help hear a better amen this morning? Yes. Psalm 10 and verse 1. Still in the book of Psalms, chapter 10 and verse 1. Quickly, please. Psalm 10, 1. The psalmist got so frustrated. Look at what he said. <laughs> in fact, in my Bible, I marked this. Let me see what I wrote on it. I wrote something on it. Let me tell you what I wrote. I, I wrote, this is serious. Then I put exclamation marks. This is serious. Three exclamation marks. Look at what the psalmist said. He said, why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? Why are you standing aloof? O Lord! Why are you so far away? The same psalm that said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's with me. He's rod and he's to comfort me. Why are you standing afar off? There are times when it seems that God is far away. The truth of the matter is that God does not, he has not moved though, it is you. You are the one who has moved. So we need to move back into position. Can I have an amen? Let me show you one more psalm and then I press my point home and then we pray. Psalm 35, verses 15 to 19. Then we take 22 to 26. Psalm 35, 15 to 19. God bless you, media. You're doing a good job. But in my adversity, they rejoiced. This is talking about the enemies. And gathered themselves together. Yea, the object gathered themselves together against me. And I knew it not. They did tear me and ceased not. Uh-huh. Why, with hypocritical mockers in fists, they gnashed upon me with their teeth. And it is sad. It is so sad when the people who are supposed to provide comfort and succor in your time of trouble are the ones making mockery of you, making jest of you, making you the subject of their cruel jokes, the butt of their cruel jokes in your time of trouble. The psalmist experienced that. He said they go to a party and it is my matter that the table. And as they are tearing the chicken, they are talking about me. Oh, rather, he has gotten himself into something bigger than himself. <laughs> but God is with you. Can I have an amen? The Lord said in Psalm 91 verse 15, he said, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble, inside trouble. And I will deliver him and honor him. If you're in trouble this morning, or you are mourning the, the death of a parent, the death of a loved one, or you lost an opportunity, you lost a contract, you lost something, God will comfort you, God will bring you out in the name of Jesus, and God will hand you better opportunities in the name of Jesus, and God will surround you with people that will love you in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, how long will thou look on? Look at the kind of words that the psalmist was using. How long? How long will you look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions. My darling from the lions. This guy was desperate. Desperate people do desperate things. Have you ever been desperate? Have you ever needed help desperately? I've been there. I know what it means. When it looks like if help does not come now, I'm going to be disgraced. And we will never be disgraced in the name of Jesus. Don't waste prayers coming from this altar. We will never be disgraced in the name of Jesus. I will give thee thanks. Look at the way he wrapped it up. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. He was saying that in the midst of what was going on in his life. That's why I want us to rejoice this morning. I want us to thank God, not because we don't have issues or problems, but we are thanking God in spite of the issues and in spite of the problems, in spite of the troubles. Can I have an amen to that? To teach the trouble a lesson that it got the wrong guy. The next verse. Let not them that are my enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. This is a major prayer. Neither let them wink with the eye that hates me without a cause. Let them not rejoice over me. May our enemies not rejoice over us. Can you say better amen to that? Yeah. Take it to verse 22 to 26 very quickly. Verse 22 to 26. And I'll read one or two other scriptures and that's it. This thou hast seen, O Lord. Keep no silence, O Lord. Be not far from me. Yeah? Stir up thyself. And awake to my judgment, even unto my cause. My God and my Lord. Uh-huh. Judge me, O Lord, my God, according to thy righteousness. And let them not... Rejoice over me. Yes? Let them not say in their heart, Aha! So would we have it. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Aha! Nobody will be able to swallow you, swallow you up in the name of Jesus. No situation will be able to swallow you up in the name of Jesus. No circumstance will be able to swallow you up in the name of Jesus. In Mark chapter 4, the wind could not swallow up Jesus. Neither could he swallow up the disciples. So nothing will be able to swallow you up in the name of Jesus. A better amen if you believe that. Verse 26, which is the last here. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at my heart. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. When you are in trouble, people have all kinds of explanation for it. Some say you are backslidden. Some say God has forsaken you. Ah, when God was with that guy, man, he was, he was the happening guy in town. When God was with that lady, as if God told them that he has left you. <laughs> Today I decree a turnaround in each of our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. I was praying online with some people, I think two Saturdays ago, a family. And the Lord gave me a word. Said, and I will overturn and overturn and overturn and overturn until there's a turnaround. I mean, he rose up from my spirit. There will be an overturning in this house. And there will be a turnaround in your life. Everyone saying amen. There will be an overturning and there will be a turnaround in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. You know, some people think and believe that if you're a believer, you shouldn't have adversity, you shouldn't have challenges. Why then does the Bible tell us in 1 Timothy 6 we have to fight the good fight of faith? What are we fighting? 
We are not fighting the devil. We are fighting to believe God. I know what it means to deal with doubt, fear, and unbelief. When somebody tells you God is good and it sounds like German, God is good, God is good, and you look at your life and it doesn't depict what they have said. Do you believe that? I'm trying to believe. I know what that means. But the Bible never, nonetheless tells us to fight the good fight of faith. The Christian life is full of fights. But the fight is a good one. It's not the one with your parents, neither is it the one with church members or your friends or family members or colleagues, professional colleagues. It is the fight of faith, the good fight of faith. Hmm. Many, many times is in the mental realm. The enemy fires thoughts at us. I know what it means to be sleeping, enjoying your night, a wonderful night's sleep, and one stupid thought wakes you up. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Just one nasty thought from the pit of hell, and you can't sleep again. Ayo was talking about panic attacks. I know what that means. <laughs> I mean, you are in class enjoying the lecture from your professor, and one thought creeps into your head. Nobody knows. The thing just comes invisible. Zap! And then you lose your peace, and you can't hear jack what the person is saying anymore. I remember one time a young man walked up to me at that Isenyi, NYC orientation camp in Isenyi. I went there to minister. Very handsome boy. From the east, a copper. He says, sir, pray for me after my ministration. I said, what's the problem? He said, I have anxiety disorder. I said, I've never had that before in my life. How does that operate? Mambro Hosea Labahaya. A lot of the issues that we face many times are in the mental realm. And in the mighty name of Jesus, from today we win every battle. Did you hear what I said? Not in my name, not in your name. I said in the mighty name of Jesus, from today we win every invisible battle in the name of Jesus. Even the visible battles, we will crush them in the name of Jesus. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. 10. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. Not 1. 10 and verse 4. 10 and verse 4. But this is a good scripture too. Who comforts you in all your tribulation. But that's not what I need now. The weapons of our warfare are not carried out, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Go there, verse 5. Glory be to God. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus from today, because your mind now is the mind of Christ, every thought that comes in, you take it captive in the name of Jesus. You take every thought that wants to run haywire in your head. You take it captive in the name of Jesus. Suicide starts as a thought. Get up, end it today, and you will have peace. And they go to the kitchen and mix sniper with something, drink it, psh, off they go. Off they go. And then for them to realize that they are still existing. But in another world, and maybe in hell, 
Too late to repent. And then two weeks after, the miracle they, they were waiting for, which came in their own estimation too late, now arrives. I lost a friend July last year. The month she died, end of the month, a promotion letter came. When she was alive, she discussed that promotion with me. She, she was in the banking industry. She told me the hierarchy. Wonderful lady, very sweet. Had a sweet spirit. The month she died, the end of the month, a promotion letter came. Jacob and Rachel were close to Ephrath. A little way from Ephrath, Rachel died. Every program of the enemy to abort our lives at the edge of our breakthrough is frustrated and destroyed by the power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I have a better amen to that? the good fight of faith. Listen, church, as I close, the fact that Jesus is in your boat does not mean that you won't have challenges. Mark chapter 4, quickly, and verse 36. But it does guarantee your safety. It does guarantee your safety. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. No, take it from verse 35. The master, and the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, let us go and die in the middle of the sea. Was that what he said? What did he say? Let us pass over onto the other side. 2023 has been challenging. We will pass over into 2024 unscathed, unhurt, blessed and highly favored, heavily loaded with the blessing and the favor of the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. A lot has happened this year. A lot. It has been so eventful. It's as though all hell has just been let loose against the church. But Jesus said, let us pass over onto the other side. And in Mark chapter 5 verse 1, and they came over onto the other side of the sea. Because the master said, let us pass over. He didn't say let us go and die in the middle. But in the middle of the journey, it was as though they were going to die. Someone said they were going to die. Now, say it like I said it. Especially if you like to move to the United States of America. Say they were going to die. No, Americans don't say die. They say die. They were going to die. <laughs> One time I was in Atlanta, man. Atlanta, Georgia. And then I was going to board the bus. Uh, I think it's Greyhound bus from Atlanta. I was going to uh, Union Station in, in Washington, D.C. You've not been there, but you can travel in your mind. Praise God. Amen. 
you have the mind of Christ. And then it will come to manifestation in Jesus' name. Can I have a good amen to that? And as I was going to board the, the, the bus, the guy said, can I see your ID? I said, man, I ain't got, I ain't got no ID, man. Me that I just, I just arrived yesterday. Yesterday. I ain't got no ID. You know what ID is? ID. Like when you say ID card. We say ID. Say ID. And then I got to where I was going. I was teaching my people there who, who live in America. I was teaching them American English. Jesus said, let us pass over onto the other side. After he said that, then they started the journey, right? And the Bible says in the next verse, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full, and it was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on the pillow. And they awake him, and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Chapter 5 and verse 1. And they came over onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. Get this. Jesus said, Let us pass over onto the other side. He had issued the command. He had declared the end from the beginning. We are going to the other side. He has said, You are going to graduate from university. Can I have an amen to that? You're going to get married. Can I have an amen to that? You're going to have babies. Can I have an amen to that? You are really going to do well in life. Can I have an amen to that? Now, it's all nice when the Lord says that. But the journey from point A, look at me everybody, where God makes the decree, and then to point B, where there is now the fulfillment of what was decreed over there, you have some journey, you have some storm in the middle of the journey. And some of us are in the middle of the journey now. That's why I like that song. God of my present. God of my future. That's point A and point B. You write my story. You hold it all together. I like that one. But I don't like it as much as. You are the alpha. And you're omega. You know what I love the most? You're in the middle. You hold it all together. Because that middle, we usually... Don't look at it. We overlook it. We don't think much of it. But there is a middle. There is always a middle. Midlife crisis. All kinds of challenges that nobody told us. No, no professor taught us in the university. Between matriculation and graduation, there will be examination. Do you agree with me? And in addition, for the medical students, there is viva. The professors will viva you. And that's quite tough. It's not a bread and butter meeting. Oh, I really like your hair. Nobody likes your hair. Oh, don't worry. You're going to get that visa. There is an interview. Amen? You're going to get that job in the multinational. There are several stages to go through. And when we're going through those things, it's like, ah, is God against me? Is, some of us are in that situation right now. We're in that position right now. We're in that state right now. And God sent me to say to you this morning that you are in it not because he's not with you. Do you realize that during the test or during the examination, the lecturer is always quiet? That is not the time to lecture you. 
that's not the time to give you a hint. He's giving you all the hints during the lecture. Now, this is the examination. And he's there looking at you. What you going to do? Tell your neighbor, say, what you going to do? Say it like an American. Say, what you going to do? Oh, God. Some of your tongues are mokola tongues. What you going to do? I didn't say what you. I'm not asking for the shoe you're wearing. Say, what you going to do? You know, when, when, when that lecturer gives you that kind of look, that what you, what you, what you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What, what, are, what, are, what are you going to do now? Somebody said, the Lord is with me. Let me give you one more scripture. I thought one more, but two, three. Matthew 14, you remember Peter? Matthew 14 from verse 25 to 32. I'm not going to read it. When you get home, you can read. But you know the story. Jesus was coming, walking on the water, and it was in the middle of the night, and the disciples were afraid. They were cringing with fear. It's a spirit! It's a spirit! Jesus said, hey, guys, it's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter, very, very outspoken. Master, if it be you, bid me come. Now that's old school English. Nobody said bid me come now. Ask me to come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter jumped out of the boat. From step one, it should sink. Don't try to jump out of the boat. When you're on the LA River, not to talk of River Niger. But Peter jumped out of the boat. And he did some walking, man. I mean, Peter, let's give the guy some credit. Peter actually walked on H2O. You know what I mean? But then he got to the middle of the journey. The middle is always where the problem is. And how do we survive the middle? We survive the middle through our connection with Jesus. A life without Christ is in a major, major, major crisis. If the crisis has not, has not come yet, wait for it. It is coming. Joy is coming, coming, coming in the morning. Crisis too comes. But if crisis meets you in Christ, you are blessed. You will overcome. But if crisis meets you outside of Christ, that is a major crisis that can end someone's destiny. How do we survive the middle? Our continued and continual fellowshipping with the Lord in the place of intimacy, in the place of the word, in the place of prayer, in the place of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's how to survive the middle. We all need to survive the middle to be able to thrive at the end of the middle. Because there is going to be an end to the middle. And may we live long enough to see the end of the middle. And to enjoy the blessings that God has packaged into the end. Because the Bible says better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8. So Peter was, Peter, the Bible said Peter now, he, he observed the wind boisterous. He considered it. Listen to me, church. The wind had been boisterous from 
when he took the first step and he didn't sink because he didn't look at the wind. He didn't pay attention to the wind. He paid attention to Jesus. What I'm sharing with you this morning is easier said than done. I love Timilolua's testimony. Timilolua Ruajes John. When she was sharing her testimony, she, she, she said that she cast her burden upon the Lord. And she quickly said, but that's easier said than done. I like people that are real. You know, some people tell us, just cast your care upon the Lord and forget about it, man. <laughs> just forget about it. That's it. I don't know how you do it, though. I don't know how. Every time I've been able to do it and to get it right, it's been by the help of the Holy Spirit. Because many times, as you cast the care upon the Lord like this, push, you walk away. Then you say, ah, where's my care? Is it your care? Bang, big care, Mijari. And then you carry the cake in on your head. And then you realize what you're doing is not right. Ah, Lord, I cast it again. I don't want it. I don't want The cake is calling you. No, don't call me. Don't call me again. In the name of Jesus. But then after a while, who is your care? <laughs> you grab it again and I carry it on your head. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. There you go. Hey, but in the name of Jesus, we'll be able to do it successfully in Jesus' name. Yeah, because we need it. Our body is not designed to carry care. It will weaken the system to cause a lot of sickness and disease. Yeah, it does cause it. It does. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Peter considered the wind boisterous, then he began. I love the Lord because his mercy never fails us. Normally, you don't begin to sink in water. You don't believe me? Am I speaking German? You don't begin to sink in water. If you don't believe me, go to the swimming pool at Premier Hotel. Try to begin to sink. You only see that in Hollywood. I'm sinking, I'm sinking, I'm sinking, I'm sinking. I'm... Why are you looking at me? I'm sinking, I'm sinking. You don't begin. You just do it. Nike. Just do it. If you're going to sink, sink. I think I might, still, I might still have to pastor an African-American church someday. Because, you know, their stuff just flows. If you can't sing, just sing, brother. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Say, don't sing. But if you go sing, don't begin to sing. Don't sing at all. In the name of Jesus. They don't say in the name of. In the name of Jesus. In the name of. In the name of Jesus. Nobody begins to sink, my brother. Go to the swimming pool. You just take a walk on the water. You just go. And then the next thing we hear is gloom, 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 gloom. You are drinking like three, four gallons. In the Adeyemi family, they don't sink because they know how to swim. From grandpa to daddy, to all the kids. I think I'm looking at Dapsi in the service this morning. 
There are, I mean, I, I wish I could swim. I got, a, I got me a professional swimmer one time, and he taught me two classes, and then he got a lecturing job, and that was the end of the class. But, but men, I, I can't swim right now. I can swim by faith. But I can dive. He taught me that. But let me tell you something. The first day was a terrible day in my life. He told me to get in the water and, and put my leg against the wall and then just dive and just dive straight. I said, like, like, what's the meaning of that? You are belittling me. Don't you know I'm a pastor? I said, when I, when I see people swim, they jump into the water. They don't climb into the, I mean, down into the swimming pool and then try to dive. Ah, that's a mature. I'm a pastor. I have an unction of the Holy One, and the unction I have teaches me all things, and I don't need any man to teach me anything. First John 2, 27, I quoted that scripture. He said, okay, do it. Just do it. From top, the surface, swimming pool, premier hotel. I, I jumped into the water. <coughs> I'm still feeling the pain in my chest. My chest hit the water. It was like concrete. I never believed it in my life. I see it in movies. You know, people just jump. They just dive. And then they're swimming. That was what I wanted to do. When my chest hit the water, it was as if I hit the corner. It was a terrible experience. End of class one. I held my chest like this. Home. Class two, I was able to, I obeyed. I got into the water, I was able to dive, and then class three, he got a lecturing job. But I know from experience, nobody begins to sink. But because the Lord is good, he doesn't allow his children to just sink. He gives you just yet another chance, yet another opportunity to make things right. When you are beginning to sink, you begin to call yourself to order and say, oh boy, oh boy, wake up, wake up, wake up. Things are not working right here. Now, what do we do? What do we do? Lord, what do I do? Teach me. Now, lead me. Do I need to talk to somebody to pray with me? Do I need to link hands or link arms with somebody in the place of prayer? Do I need to listen to a counsel? Do I need to talk to someone? Do I need to seek help? That's when you are beginning to sink. God still gives you a chance, still shows you mercy. No child of God suddenly does things. This is the end of the message today. When Peter was beginning to sink, you know what he said? Lord, help me. One translation says, Lord, save me. I wanted to shout this morning and say, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. The Bible says immediately Jesus reached forth his hand and grabbed Peter. And they walked back to the boat and he said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? If he reached for Peter, he will reach for you. This was before the crucifixion. Before he shed his blood. How much more now for us for whom he has shed his blood and has given us access to the Father, Hebrews 10, 19 on the screen, by the blood. Today, we have access to the Father. No matter how dark the season may be, no matter how hopeless the situation may seem, we have access to the Father. Hebrews 10, 19, please, on the screen. We have access by the blood. Listen, church, if he shed his blood to redeem us, he won't abandon us in the time of crisis.
If we shed his blood to redeem us, crisis will not come and he will abandon us. If you rescued Peter, who cried out in a desperate situation, he won't ignore my cry. He won't ignore your cry. Can I have an amen? amen. That song says, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry to you. And when my heart is overwhelmed, please lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There is blood between us. Let's read this. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. How? Come on, come on. How? Having therefore, brethren, boldness. Boldness to enter into the holiest. That's where God the Father dwells. That's where Abba dwells in the holiest. We have boldness now to enter into the holiest. How? By the blood. By the blood. What will he not do for us? By the blood. So I'm still talking about the blood covenant, but I'm telling you that help is available through the blood. Develop your faith in the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Develop your faith. Develop your covenant consciousness. Now, Lord, I may be intimidated looking at the things coming against me. But if I shift my gaze and look to you, I have confidence that you will help me. Can I have an amen to that? There is blood between us and the Father. There is blood between us and the Son. Ephesians 1.7. Quickly, media. Ephesians 1.7. And after that, we go to Colossians 1.12-14. Ephesians 1.7. Ephesians 1 7. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. Let's read this together. In whom we have redemption. How? Through his blood. Somebody shout the blood. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I don't care how grievous the sins of your past and present may be. Jesus has taken care of it. Past, present, future by the blood. By the blood. There is blood between us. Say with me this morning. Say there is blood between us. Say, there is blood between me and God. We are blood connected. So Jesus is my big brother. So there is blood between us. Let me tell you, every promise made by God in this world is backed up by the blood of Jesus. The blood. The blood. All you need to do is to locate the promises that cover your situation. And it's wrapped up in the blood. Colossians 1, 12 to 14. Quickly. Colossians 1, 12 to 14. Colossians 1, 12 to 14. Malebo siyada bahaya. Let's read together. It starts with thanksgiving. Giving thanks unto the Father. Raise it. Raise your voices. One, two, go. Giving thanks unto the Father. Let them hear you on Mixelar. One, two, go. Giving thanks unto the Father. Let them hear you on Facebook. Raise your voice. Giving thanks unto the Father. Let them hear you on YouTube. Raise your voice. Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet, fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Right? Next verse. Who is about to deliver us? What has he done? He has delivered us from what? You have been delivered from depression. Can I have an Amen. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. From all kind of thoughts running riot in your head. From panic attacks. Depression. Anxiety. ADHD. 
and all kind of bipolar mental disorders, schizophrenia. He's not about to deliver us. He hath delivered us. He hath delivered us. Cancer, HIV, hepatitis, diabetes, high blood pressure, whatever it is, he hath delivered us from the power of darkness. All those things come under the power of darkness. Sickness and disease. Poverty and lack. And death. Early physical death and spiritual death. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption. How? Shouted, how? How did you have redemption? Do you know the meaning of redemption? To buy back. We were sold by Adam to Satan. Sold under the dominion of Satan. Jesus came, shed his blood and bought us back to God. We are bought back to God. He redeemed us. When you drink soda and Coca-Cola put something in the crown cork and they say if you find a particular symbol, bring it to our bottling company or give it to any of our agents and what, what you see is what you win. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's pretty much common these days, but it was common in the 80s when I was growing up. And we almost finished a crate of Coca-Cola looking for that one lucky crown cock. And sometimes all we want was a free drink. And man, as a little boy, I was excited to win a free drink. I was a champion. Free drink. And some won some amount of money. We were always drinking, drinking, peeling off. You, you, you fight your friend over, over your crown cock. Nobody steals your crown cock. Because when you peel it off, what you see is what you win. Now, when you win something, you take it to them and then you redeem your prize. You give them the crown cock and then you take home a pack of drinks. Or you take home a brand new TV set. Brand new. Somebody say brand new. Say new. No, that's American pronunciation. Say new. Mm -hmm. They don't say new. They say new. I'm teaching a lot of Ebonics this morning. That's the phonics of Ebony people. Black skin. Ebonics. Yeah. Ebony. Ebonics. Phonics of Ebony people. So they are the ones that are brand new. The white people don't say brand new. <laughs> they say new. But we, we, we not white. We, we black. You know what I'm saying? Christ has redeemed us. They took away my scripture. Who took my scripture from the screen? Colossians. Put my scripture back. Put it back. You're blessed, brother. Can I have an amen? amen. In whom we have redemption. How? Oh, no. Three people came to church. I'm not going to take that from you. Make it louder. You need to know this so that when Satan shows up, you can put the blood in his face. Say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. That's what brought me back. And hey, he hates the blood. He can't stand the sight of the blood of Jesus. It's the blood, the sinless blood of the Son of God. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. In closing this morning, one major thing I'm learning, and we all must learn from the psalmist, is thanksgiving even in adversity. Anyone can praise God when all is well. But it takes real faith to praise in adversity. To praise God when things are not going your way. It is called strong faith. I won't tell you I'm there yet, but I'll tell you I'm on my way there. 
strong faith praises God. Jimmy, when you don't feel like praising God. I remember when my mom died, Friday night, we found out. Saturday morning, I had to move our body from where it was to another mortuary. It wasn't a funny experience. You don't like that. You don't want to, nobody wants to go through all of that pain. And Sunday morning, I was in church ready to preach. <laughs> and uh, the choir didn't know what to expect. Actually, the whole church didn't know what to expect. Michelle, I think, was the one leading praise that day or joy, or Marlene. It was joy. Michelle was part of the backup because I looked at her. And they were looking at me. They were praising God. And I sent a note to her, to the one leading. I said, I want this song from Lara George. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, shout hallelujah in every situation, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I didn't know all of the other parts of the song, all of the lyrics, don't take me there. But in every situation, when you can praise God in adversity, you are a seed of Abraham. You should be able to praise God when God has given you a promise and it has not yet, as it were, been fulfilled. The Bible describes it as strong faith. Romans 4, 18 to 20. That's the last scripture for today. I close my sermon note in the name of Jesus. I said I wasn't going to preach for long. Have I preached for long? Glory be to God. When I jack by now, you guys will miss me. You know you will miss me, you know. You come and meet me there. Oh, we continue. Glory to God. Who against hope? Believed in hope. Please stand to your feet, everybody. Let's read this standing. Glory to God. Choir, get ready because we're going to praise God. Who against hope? Believed in hope. Let's read, everybody. One, two, go. Who against hope? Believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now, it had not yet been fulfilled. It was hoping against hope. <laughs> it had not yet been fulfilled. But what did he do? Look at verse 19. Verse 19. And be not weak in faith. Oh, Lord, help my faith. Somebody say, Lord, help my faith. He considered not his own body, now dead. By this time, Abraham's body sexually was now dead. He was about 99. He was well over 90. Couldn't kick anymore. But he considered not his own body now dead. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He didn't consider his body now dead. I pray for someone. Listen, everybody, for the grace to not consider that negative symptom in your body, but to consider the promise of God. To not consider that negative situation in your life right now, but to consider the promises of God. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. He was about a hundred years. He was 99. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
Sarah's womb was dead. Still, Abraham did not consider it. How, how possible is that? Still believing that Sarah was still going to give birth and he was still going to be able to perform. Even though the odds were against them. They say admission has closed. They've closed the portal. How can they reopen it? And that was Motu's testimony. They reopened the portal. Oxford Brooks. God will do much more in this house. Motu might not know this. Your testimony produced another testimony. Sophia, Arikepa, she was a copper from Bayelsa State. She sat there on the day you shared your testimony. That's the power of a testimony. And she trusted God for admission in the UK and for resources. And God opened the door for her father who had said, no, where will you get money from? Today, she's also a graduate. She's done with her master's in the University of Plymouth in the UK. She came to see me like you came to see me in uh, Dudley. She came to see me in London. Every case that has been called closed in this house, the Lord reopens it now. If that is you, say better amen. Everywhere they said to you, it's over. God says now, it's just beginning. God will open fresh opportunities for you. God will open new doors of favor for you. Men will help you. Women will help you. Boys will help you. Girls will help you. Angels will help you. In the mighty name of Jesus. The heavens will cooperate with the earth in your help. Say, who is like unto thee, O God of Jeshurun, who rideth through the sky in the hell? Help is coming. I said, help is coming. I changed that. Help is here. The theme of Ablaze 2023 is the kingdom is here. Therefore, help is here. Now, in the name of Jesus. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strong in faith. What was he doing to demonstrate that he was strong in faith? He was giving glory to God. Do you know that song? Giving glory to the Lord, he reigns. Giving glory to the Lord, he reigns.